0: We'll talk about a crazy idea. Mike Knopp had one when he saw a dry riverbed in Oklahoma City. That vision led to a transformation, making Oklahoma City a world class rowing venue. I'm Garland McWaters, and welcome to The Spirit of Leading. Mike Knopp is the executive director of the Oklahoma City Boathouse Foundation. And in this capacity, Mike was instrumental in creating the first community rowing and kayaking programs and the Chesapeake Boathouse. Mike, welcome to the Spirit of Leading and thanks for joining us today.
1: Great to be here. Thank you for coming coming by.
0: I might tell our listeners that we are recording this in your offices, which are kind of at the finish line of the rowing venue. And it's really quite a spectacular view. And uh, being one who grew up in Oklahoma City many years ago, it's even more spectacular to actually see water in the river. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's something that it's you don't want to take for granted now, but it is a spectacular sight every I try to try to appreciate it every day I come in.
0: You know, when people think of Oklahoma City, they probably think of a lot of things. You know, they, th- they think about the Western Heritage Hall of Fame. They think about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they think about, you know, maybe some college sports and things that uh, hear from time to time. But I would venture to say that river sports and, uh, and, and rowing and kayaking would be among the last things that might might come to mind. And uh, But here we are uh, looking at a world-class venue that is the— the envy of a lot of people, maybe of the world. And I, I'd like for you just to take a few minutes to bring us up to date on how all this started, how this story get started?
1: Well, certainly, um, it, it really began 20 years ago when uh, we were at Lake Overholser. my wife and I uh, were starting a community rowing program um, at the site of the 1989 Olympic Festival. Um, and we were really trying to get people interested in the sport of rowing. It's something I did in college. Um, I was practicing law at the time and so this is kind of a volunteer side thing that we were doing. And during that time period, we knew that there was a development that would be coming on the river with low water dams in downtown Oklahoma city. And so I wanted to start to communicate about what this opportunity could be to Oklahoma city, um, and as you said, it probably it was the least expected thing that people thought with regard to what we were going to do with this river that we were basically reinventing. And um, so one thing led to the other, and there was a lot of steps along the way, a lot of kind of patience and persistence and, you know, um, communication, but... Over time, I was able to communicate that we were sitting on a really world-class opportunity for Oklahoma City. There was a straight section of ditch, you know, that Basically. essentially <laughs> was there that, that we mowed, you know, for several decades.
0: I can remember seeing, yeah. seeing the, the the weeds grow up in it. Yes, yes I can remember seeing Yeah, that.
1: And, you know, the river was a, a real river back in the days that when Oklahoma City was settled. It just flooded. And so the Corps of Engineers came in and channelized it. But they happened to create a section that was wide enough, long enough, straight enough to be an ideal rowing and canoe kayak venue. And I just had to communicate that to the city leaders. I'll never forget the day that they were breaking ground and the first dam as part of the initial maps project, it had rained enough the night before. And so we had this idea of putting some boats on the water to kind of of solidify that image of what an active riverfront could be. And so uh, that was, that was, I think, a, um, a real turning point because people could then see, OK, that thing that I was talking about, maybe thought people thought I was a little crazy. It started to resonate more. And, th- and that's when we were able to get Oklahoma City University to agree to start a club rowing program. And I did that for a dollar a year for a couple of years just to kind of get things going. And my wife started a youth program. Once the dams were complete, we had our first event the ideas really did start to take hold. People started to to see that, okay, there could be much more to this river than we initially thought. And for our approach was all about activation. And that was important that riverfront de- redevelopment for us was not at that time just about building structures or restaurants or, or whatever, hotels. It was about, we had to reacquaint this community with the river and do it in a way that, that was, Getting people outside, getting people active, trying to inspire healthier lifestyles, and uh, that approach, I think, was the right approach at the time in Oklahoma City because we had to reestablish the river as a destination, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we did start getting literally hundreds of people out on the water, which then led to more people on the trail, which, you know, our program started to flourish, and we were able due to the support of so many uh, you know visionaries that went along with this idea like ray ackerman like aubrey mcclendon uh ron norick who all of whom really were supporters of of these ideas that i had and were able to we were able to get that first boathouse the chesapeake boathouse built and that was really that turning that true turning point where career-wise i made a leap of faith and left my law career and became a executive director and a full-time coach uh, for oklahoma city university and then went on to lead also the oklahoma city boathouse foundation and we created a master plan
0: a fascinating story because there's so many elements of transformation in that story from the initial idea Uh, an idea happens uh, coming from someone's uh, experience or perspective or an interest that they might have, and they say, gee, what if, you know, uh, looky here, this could happen, this could be something that I can see, and, uh, you know, when you have an opportunity to envision that yourself, then you have to go sort of sell that a little bit, and find the other visionaries who can kind of see it, but maybe not the same way you see it, but uh, little by little, it starts to take hold, and suddenly, You know, uh, suddenly after 20 years, uh, here it kind of is. Now everybody says, wow, what a neat thing. How do we get involved? How do we get to take advantage of and use this wonderful opportunity and facility now that's available in Oklahoma City? And I was thinking, you know, as I uh, heard your story originally and, and how this kind of all came about, I'm thinking, isn't that the way that visions happen? Isn't that the way that transformation happens? Little by little, one idea leads to something else, and finally, you know, there it is. I think you're right. I mean, there, there's certainly an element
1: of risk to all of this. It's, you know, having a big idea and, and a vision, um, it has to be followed up with a lot of patience and persistence and being a little bit tolerant of sticking your your, your neck out a little bit because the idea of, again, putting boathouses on what was a ditch a and ditch. I was trying to sell that idea was, people initially thought was a little, a little crazy. Um, although I still will always attribute people, the people of the city and Oklahoma in general, of really kind of having a pioneering spirit and understanding that once they kind of saw that this may not be what we expected, you know, of our river initially, but it is an opportunity to be world-class. And I think the, the, the the support really did start to flow more once people were able to, 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 understand and believe that. But there were a lot of those moments throughout the last ten years especially that you know we were having to push forward some some ideas that you know could have crashed and burned or they or they could have taken off right. and, and thankfully not all not everything works and you got to realize that but mm-hmm. but enough did to really create some some exciting momentum and, and a lot of
0: uh, a lot of dynamics here that helped. Uh, further this this vision. I know it's like any idea that comes along, they don't always work exactly like you expect them to work. And they, and as you said, they don't all work. And I suppose that sometimes it was a little bit easy to get discouraged. Did you ever face that? Well, certainly, you
1: know, several times along the way, I think um, the thing I had to learn is, you know, it just can't happen overnight. That you you have to build trust in people. You have to show that you follow through on, on what you say you're going to do. And, um, sometimes, uh, that, that support or, or, or that event that you created didn't work out just like you would have liked, but you know, as I've found, there's always been a reason for everything. It seems like I've learned, you know, if something didn't quite work out, then I've learned from it, and maybe I've thought differently about the approach that then led to to, to be successful uh, later on in the development here. Um, so I think that there were there were many things we've learned a lot about the hydrodynamics of the river, in fact, you know, where we've had some, some challenges with flood events and putting courses in and water related issues. And, and, um, you, you learn to fight through those challenges. And when you get really discouraged, like, uh, you know, having a a flood rip out a a race course, for example, before a big event and you realize, gosh, that, that this is hard to overcome, but you, you know, you work through it and then you show you can overcome that adversity and then that sends a message that mm-hmm. this organization is strong that you know it kind of says something about the character of the staff and the people involved and then that leads to other opportunities for events down the road and and i think a lot of that has led to things like us being designated as a, an official u.s olympic and paralympic training site the only river in the country to have that designation and to achieve uh opportunities to host events like the world championship and the olympic trials multiple times
0: well you had a big event uh, a
1: series of events this last weekend we we did and we talk about risk and you know <laughs> we were planning the uh, the olympic trials on a whitewater center that was not even built you know when we first approached you know the U.S. Olympic Committee and USA Canoe Kayak about having that event, there was a little bit of risk involved, you know, because construction, especially something as complicated as the Whitewater Project really was. I mean, that, that the idea of hosting a major event where we're sending athletes to Rio uh, was a little bit of a risk. But I also understood that this is a tremendous moment to showcase. The what this this venue can do for Oklahoma City, and it and it's an Olympic year. So last weekend we we hosted the Olympic trials just in time that the center was complete. Uh, re- received rave reviews from all the competitors. We did uh, select a team that will represent the United States in Rio. And at the same time as that Olympic trials event, we hosted the Central Youth Rowing Championship where we had over 1500 athletes rowing on the river next to the Whitewater Center. And we hosted the Road to Rio tour as well. So having multiple events going on at one time in the venue really showcased the unique uh, power of this venue.
0: Well, that's an amazing story because uh, that's kind of like everything was going on all at once. I mean, you, you come from years ago where there's nothing happening on the river to where like, look what just happened. Yeah. And uh, it's a sort of a, a national event uh, with that kind of exposure and really a transformational story that, uh, that really speaks to the character of the community, of the state, all the people who were involved in it. And the confidence, obviously, that they have in your organization's ability to pull something like this off. I mean, when you offer it, there's not even a venue yet. <laughs> and so that is sort of something on a, we'll call that Olympic proportions, because yes. you know even the Olympic cities that host Olympics usually have to build their venues during the years prior. But uh, that was really amazing. So my congratulations to you and your staff yeah, for really making that, uh, making that a big success. <laughs> I do want to kind of uh, re- rewind a little bit because I'm very interested in transformational stories and and the response, the initial responses that you get, because I've heard of stories before when someone says, "Well, I've got this big idea," and they say, "Well, you want to do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and what kind of an idea is that? And really, uh, you sometimes it makes you almost wonder, well, am I am I crazy for even thinking that that could happen?" and uh i i'm just uh, wondering about uh you know when you first proposed this idea even the people that you knew uh did they think you were just a little bit sort of off center <laughs> thinking that this could really happen well there are two
1: parts of that number one it was when i first proposed the boathouse on the river um people you know i remember speaking to the rotary club of oklahoma city you know downtown and that was kind of an intimidating experience and uh, I did have a lot of strange looks at the time about, you know, what, what in the world it's hard to envision the idea of a sport like rowing that is so associated with the East coast. Um, not really within our, the culture of Oklahoma city. Um, and the fact that it was on this ditch that yeah, we had right. It's a river, um, we people, were used to rodeo and that's yeah, very dirt oriented, oriented. <laughs> you know, struggle with that. Yeah. And, um, but I think, again, going to some of the imagery that we, we were able to, to create when we had the groundbreaking and started to do, have events and really show people and win them over and, um, and did some things along the way to help create a culture surrounding rowing in the river, like a corporate rowing program where we had over 50 teams. And so then it became part of conversations downtown Oklahoma City and more people talking about it those things kind of crept into this culture uh, uh, surrounding the river. And I think that also helped other things, like later on, for example, the idea of whitewater. I mean, in Oklahoma City seemed almost more far-fetched than rowing. rowing. I mean, whitewater is something you think about in the mountains of Colorado, not in Oklahoma City. But what I found was, again, similar to the idea of rowing on the river initially, or boathouses on the river, People became somewhat intrigued by this crazy idea over time. And I think part of what helped with that idea, which again normally would have been thought of as, as pretty outlandish, was the fact that we showed that rowing worked. You know, something that was so so what some may say may have said was a little audacious, a little crazy, uh, worked uh, really, really well. And now a common sight when you enter Oklahoma City. Crossing that I-35 bridge is a, a river full of rowers and kayakers, and what does that say about your city? Now you can pull drive in and also see whitewater rafting, and that's a scene that is not uh, associated with any major city in America. So it's kind of a game-changing right. thing for Oklahoma City, and I think
0: people kind of started get, to get excited about that. Right, and the fact that you've done this now and uh, helped lead this effort over many years in uh, Oklahoma City to get this venue in place uh that got, kind of gives rise to other talk and uh, you know I'm, I'm a little sidebar here to uh, your story is that the same thing can be said said of the Oklahoma City Thunder mm-hmm. uh, i remember the conversations years ago when i had lived here earlier uh, about having a professional sports franchise in Oklahoma mm-hmm. city and people thought well that's just crazy we got these two Uh, highly competitive universities north and south of Oklahoma city and all of our energy goes there. And, and so it seemed to be not a fit. And Oklahoma city is not large enough. And I mean, there were all kinds of uh, naysaying about that possibility, but here it is. And we have a NBA franchise that's competing for a world championship, you know, and they've done it successfully over a number of years. The, the transformational impact of those multiple success stories, uh, has an incredible, uh, possible impact on the psyche of a whole community i was
1: going to mention that i think there's something um really powerful about when you when you create these transformational um, initiatives that are successful about what it does about kind of people's own community pride and confidence in ourselves as a city and and I remember when I was graduating from high school and going off to college. A lot of my friends were so excited about getting out of town because they kind of associated Oklahoma City as a place that they didn't see themselves wanting to build a, a career in or stay in because it didn't seem very exciting at the time. And it was, you know, a comfortable place, but not, you know, not what, what's there to do outside. I remember that, you know, mm-hmm. people talking about that and the fact that um, we now have some of the most uh, unique and uh, impressive outdoor adventure amenities in our downtown area in addition to all of the things associated with like the Thunder and Bricktown and Midtown and all that momentum that's occurring in downtown Oklahoma City we're, we've created a city that people want to come live in in a quality of life that is um, that I think can only really occur once people really start to have that that pride and, and, and truly, uh, truly pride in themselves or pride in this community. And, um, they may have not associated at all with rowing, but, but the, but the, the, the number of people coming down and showing their friends and family who are visiting from
0: out of town this river, I mean, I think that's, that's really powerful to me well that's an impressive story and it's real exciting to be able to listen to you tell it face to face and and uh, and share it and i know you get the opportunity to talk, tell it a lot it is a unique and amazing story but i'm also interested in about how that affected you i mean what happened to you individually uh the way you feel about yourself uh, the the what you've learned about yourself in the whole process how you uh have grown with the project uh, how did it change mike <laughs>
1: Well, it's given me some more gray hair. Uh, in the process, but but really and truly, I think what it has done also is given me probably more confidence to not be afraid to 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 think big or to dream big and and uh, much more tolerant of, of risk. I mean, leaving that law career behind and jumping into this sort of unknown, you know, what what was was a huge leap of faith, but I think. Um, what I found is uh, trying to learn to, to to trust my gut you know to to, to understand that um, that sometimes it is a little scary you know to, to step out there but um, if I feel very passionate about something and um, I, I know I've gained personally a lot more confidence and part of it is that, i think it's also kind of a work ethic of trying to understand that it's nothing necessarily comes easy that Mm -hmm. you know you have to put in that the work but if you put in the work and you're confident and you work and and you're passionate about it that somehow it seems to work out and um
0: it may not work out the exact way i thought it was going to work out but it seems to work out and it works as it goes because sometimes our dream changes a little bit it uh it takes on a slightly different scale or a slightly different uh, hue to it. You know, is it? Unfolds. And, and I think I've learned
1: to be more flexible in, over time, and being, you know, re- in being understanding that things things are going to change, and again, not everything works out as planned. It's it, you got to be willing to be flexible uh, and and adjust your your vision or your <laughs> or your project, yeah.
0: um, and that's something I've I've grown more tolerant of. Well, it's a good lesson to learn. Yeah. And I know you get a lot of kudos yourself for leading this project and sort of having this vision originally, but I know you didn't do it alone. Uh, tell me about some yeah. of the team that's been around you all well, this time. Well, I mean,
1: that's it's really important to me to to, to emphasize that um, so much of this has been about the teamwork involved. And, you know, of course, rowing is the quintessential team sport. And so I think I've sort of always in some ways approached all of this like I did rowing and that you know everybody in the boat has to has a part to play i mean every seat has a has an important role and um and it can't just be one person there's no mvp in the sport of rowing because again it's it is truly a team effort and and in this case um everyone from people like pat downs who's the riverfront redevelopment um director of development here oklahoma city riverfront redevelopment authority um Early, early on, if if Pat didn't believe in that crazy idea, because he was sort of the, the the gatekeeper initially of of projects along the river, uh, he believed in me and um, he stuck with it and stuck with my my ideas and and helped open a lot of doors. And so Pat's one that deserves a tremendous amount of credit um, for for the river development. Of course, people like Pat. I mean, for like Ron Norick, Mayor Norick, who initially came up with that idea of, of maps and understanding we needed to do something to enhance our quality of life. We wouldn't have dams on our river had it not been for Ron. And of course, Ray Ackerman, who believed in the idea of the power of the river itself and what water in o- downtown Oklahoma City could do. To Aubrey McClendon, of course, who is so important to my life and, and believing in me and supporting that vision and helping, um, helping get projects like the Chesapeake Boathouse off the ground. Um, that was a game changing moment because had we not sent a message about having a world-class opportunity, we did that with the Chesapeake Boathouse and Aubrey really believed in, I mean, he, he, he believed in the vision. He helped advance that vision and um, really helped advance the whole plan for the master of the master plan of the boathouse district then i got to say my staff um, that's grown significantly over the last 10 years and uh, people that their passion shows you can't you know this is not a job that you clock in and clock out of necessarily from you know nine nine to five sometimes it's you know two in the morning you know when the river's raging or before a big event and and you know, to accomplish what we did last weekend, it took a lot of people working really, really hard, um, and truly passionate about the mission because we are a nonprofit organization. We have a mission and the mission again is to, is to really activate the river, to get people healthy, you know, healthier and inspire healthier lifestyles. And, um, and we're doing that in a number of ways, um, whether it be supporting these athletes who have Olympic visions to um, to youth who m- may live in a part of downtown Oklahoma City who may not have or have the opportunities that other kids have. And we've been able to create those ways to get kids out and active on the river. And so uh, it's having a, a passion for the cause and people that really have a strong work ethic and are talented and, and,
0: and again, it's all those people that make this a success. Well, and it's uh, incredible to hear you uh, give your uh, accolades to all of those who have helped along the way because we don't go through life by ourselves. Yeah. We are we truly, uh, no matter what, kind, even if we kind of uh, do things individually, you can't say there aren't others who have fostered that in some way, sometimes very directly and sometimes a little more indirectly. Uh, one final question before we wrap things up. Uh, I know we're kind of in a trans... Formational and transitional time in our culture where our millennial generation is kind of moving in they're asserting themselves or they're becoming more prevalent more dominant in the workplace and and uh, What are the lessons you learned that you think would be beneficial to our new young leaders emerging? Who are have some of their own big ideas and some dreams that they want to see happen in the next uh, several years in their life?
1: Well, you know, there's several things, but a couple of things I'd maybe just emphasize, um, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is is you got to be persistent. Um, you, you can't just expect this big idea you, ha- you have to, to, to resonate with people overnight and for it to happen. You know, you, you got to put in the work and you got to be, um, you got to put in the time and you got to be patient. So I think that's, that's really, really important. Don't give up on your dream, don't give up on your vision, but understand that it it, it does take a lot of patience, a lot of persistence, and, and I remember there were years where I went to every river trust meeting, not because I had something on the agenda, but because I needed to build those relationships and I needed to get kind of really engaged in the inner workings of the the riverfront development. And I think you just have to, you can't force things to happen overnight and you got to be able to, to communicate your ideas very clearly and spend a lot of time on that communication strategy. How, how can you develop that, um, the, those presentations, the way that you want pr- to, to, uh, advance your ideas, uh, whether it be a, a dream project you have or whether it be just, you know, an idea in your current workplace you know i think you just have to be able to communicate strongly yeah
0: and one final thing i want to say is that i know uh, that everybody's excited about this project now and it's easy to to get so caught up into yourself that you don't have time for anyone else but i know you're known around town as someone who is willing to really share and give of yourself to tell this story Uh, i know every time i've asked you to help tell the story. You've been, Oh yeah, okay. I'm ready to do that. I'm eager to do that. And other people I've talked to have also said, well, Mike is, uh, Mike is always ready to go whenever uh, someone mm-hmm. is, uh, needing, uh, needing his, uh, availability or presence to help tell that story and, and energize all of us with our dreams. So I really appreciate that as well. Well,
1: I I appreciate that, and I want to do that because I I always appreciated when people took the time to help me out in in those early days. That's
0: a great piece of advice all by itself, be willing to help. Kudos to you, Mike, and uh, to you and and your staff and everyone who's been involved in transforming Oklahoma City and Oklahoma as a state, actually, into communities that uh, are progressive and exciting to be a part of. Uh, mike knopp executive director of the oklahoma city boathouse foundation and driving force in bringing world-class rowing and kayaking and whitewater sports to oklahoma my guest on this episode of the spirit of leading thanks mike thank you well that's it for this episode of the spirit of leading and thanks for listening now more than ever we need to revive the spirit of leading to make leadership a lifestyle of service for everyone So I encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates that spirit of leading at work or in your community. Be watching for the next installment of The Spirit of Leading, and you can find us on iTunes, Podcast, and on Stitcher. And Until then, I urge you to encourage the spirit, to enliven the heart, to enlighten the mind, and to enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. In the spirit of leading, live each and every day empowered. I'm Garland McWatters. back.